Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 3, how Adam and Eve became aware of their sin, nakedness, and fear, and were convicted. But when it all looked bad, then came the approach of the grace of God. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, and also available on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, are you interested in learning more about the Jewish people, their past, their present, their future? Well, our Bible teacher here on the Friendship with God radio program and a Jewish Christian, Tom Cantor, has written a book on the life of Joseph. It's called Understanding the Jewish Messiah and the History and Future of the Jewish People Through the Life of Joseph. Now, this wonderful book reflects not only the history of the Jewish people, but their future is foretold by the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, this wonderfully written expository book opens up the life of Joseph as you've never seen it before. It's a must-have for any Christian and a great gift to give to any Jewish person that may be searching for the truth and evidence of who the Messiah really is. Now, if you'd like to obtain a copy of this resource from Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on the Friendship with God radio program, any donation of $20 or more will send you this book, The Life of Joseph. So you can call us now at 800 247 3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. You can go online to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore. It's under resources. Just click on the resources tab and then Tom Cantor's materials. All there available for purchase, even resources that are there available for free and even creation resources as Tom Cantor is the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. So he's got lots of creation resources on there, as well as his resources, and even some free resources. So go to friendshipwithgod.org to our online resource bookstore. Or you can, again, order by calling us at 800-247-3051 and getting The Life of Joseph by Tom Cantor, 800-247-3051. Here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis chapter 3, how Adam and Eve became aware of their sin and convicted but then came the approach of the grace of God. All right, now, if you follow along here in Genesis chapter 3, verses, verse 7, as I, as I read here, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above all be- every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel." Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and in sorrow shalt thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. 
And Adam said unto, and unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. And sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Sorns also and thistles shall it bring to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art not to dust shalt thou return. So many contrasts in this chapter. Chapter 3. This is a chapter of tremendous. Just tremendous contrasts. It's a good chapter to memorize. Have you ever thought about memorizing Genesis chapter 3? Very good chapter to memorize because there's just so many wonderful Bible truths. This chapter contains the great darkness. This chapter contains the one, a wonderful brightness. This chapter has got man's guilt in it and it's got God's amazing grace, his amazing mercy. As a matter of fact, Peter uses a wonderful term a wonderful title for God in 1 Peter 5.10. He calls God the God of all grace. Isn't that wonderful? The God of all grace. In this chapter, we see perfectly God as the God of all grace. He's coming to man. He's not giving man what he deserves. He's giving man what he doesn't deserve. So we see the ruin of man, we see God's remedy in this chapter, see the fall of man, the rise of man, it's just wonderful. See the death of the old creation, and we see the birth of the new creation, everything. Now, last time when we left off here, Adam and Eve had both eaten the fruit of the tree that God commanded them they should eat it. And we see what happened. We saw that they became aware of their sin. They became aware of their sin. They, they, they knew. They sinned against God. I mean, it was a really happy life they had before. It was a low, we can imagine it. I mean, God filled their scope of their vision. It was just all they thought about all day long was God. And it was pleasant. And they thought about God and they talked about God. And they, what did they talk about? They talked about how good God was. That was the subject. They talked a lot about God. You know, it talks about believers in Malachi 3.16. And it says there, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. So you could say, you know, what were they talking about so much, these believers in Malachi 3.16? And it says, And the Lord hearkened, and he heard it, what they were talking about. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. That gives you the clue. That's what they were talking about, how good he was, his name. Believers, it's the same thing with Adam and Eve. They were talking about God before the fall. It was all about God, how good he was. They thought a lot about God. All day long, they were thinking about God. It was sweet. They enjoyed those thoughts. Those that David talked about in Psalm 104, 34. He said, my meditation of him shall be sweet. He said, I'll be glad in the Lord. They talked about how caring God was to provide all those different kinds of food 
that he made there in the garden. And all those different kinds of animals and all the interesting ways of those, of those animals. Just this morning I was watching a little bird uh, uh, with, the, with the yellow chest and he was going all over this tree. And, and I don't even know what he was doing in there. He, but anyway, it was interesting to watch. And that's what Adam and Eve did. They watched all these animals and the ways and talked about them. And, and, they, and they, they saw how God had taken such good care of them. And you know what they called those things that God did? They called them what David called them in Psalm 40, verse 5. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works. Full of wonder. He called them wonderful works which thou hast done. And then he says, And thy thoughts which to us word, they cannot be reckoned up in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. That's what King David said. He said, The thoughts to us word, they can't be reckoned up in order unto thee. So, in other words, David was saying, you know, I, I wanted to declare them. I wanted to make a sermon. That's what David was saying. So I started to make a list. Of all the, you know, to have a good organized sermon. David wanted to have a good organized sermon. So he starts to make a list of all the wonderful works, and he just gives up. And he says, I can't even write it down. He puts his, he puts his pen down, and he worships God. And that's the way they're just overwhelmed. So they talked about that. They met God there in the garden. It was just wonderful. And they, and they went over in their minds what God said. What did he say yesterday? What did he say last time we heard him? Proverbs 35 says, Every word of God is pure. And they just delighted. It was a great life. It was a happy life. They wanted to discover, what's God thinking about? I wonder why he said that. I wonder why he did that. Psalm 139, 17. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. It was a great life. Really, really a happy life. They were walking examples of what Deuteronomy 6, in that famous Shema chapter, said after the hero Israel, they were, Adam were, loving the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might. They were talking about God when they were sitting down. What were they doing? They were talking about God. When they were walking, what were they doing? They were talking about God. When they were lying down, they were talking about God in their sleep. And when they were rising up, there was just, it was just, it was God, 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 all the time God, and then more God, and they were God-centered. You know, not like my cousin Nancy who said to me, Tommy, do we always have to talk about Jesus? It's my cousin Nancy. Well, Adam and Eve were always talking about Jesus. They were always talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't know him in that name yet, but that's what they were doing. But as soon as they sinned, just like that, as soon as they sinned, something immediately changed. It was an immediate change. And what happened? God just kind of went out of their sight. He just sort of passed away from their sight. And instead, they couldn't see God anymore, but they saw themselves. And that wasn't so good. And so, because what they saw in themselves, they said, this has to be fixed. This is not good, what we're seeing here. We have to cover it. So the first thing they knew when they had disobeyed God is they knew they sinned. They knew it was conscious. They knew they disobeyed God. Something very, very different. Life was very, very different. It was very, very wrong. And and now in front of them was this commandment of God that they had broken. You notice how he emphasized that when I was reading that? In, In verse 11, he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? And then he says, Whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat. 
And in verse 17, he also emphasized it. He said to Adam, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat it. What makes sin, sin? It's God's commandment. It's God's commandment. That's what made it simple. God told them not to do it. And when they did it, and God told them not to, that's a sin. That's why John says in 1 John 3, 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth. I know you have to have a speech impediment to say that. Transgresseth, transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Who gave the law? God. It's God's law. They knew they sinned. how they know? Because the Holy Spirit was doing his job. What's the job of the Holy Spirit? To, con- to convict the world, or as it says in John 16, 8, when he has come, he will reprove. He will say, you're wrong. That's what he'll say inside of you. You're wrong. He will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And it was because of him, because of God the Holy Spirit, that Adam and Eve knew And when anyone sins, it's the faithful work of God, the Holy Spirit, that tells them, you are not right, Buster. No, he probably didn't say Buster. One time, our little boy Joseph, he was little one time, and we had uh, Colleen Ryan, she was working for us, and Colleen was doing some administrative work, and went up on the ranch there in Lakeside, and, and Joseph was getting on his on, uh, on her nerves. She, uh, Colleen was from Chicago, and she talked like she was from Chicago because she was from Chicago. Anyway, so she goes up there, and, and <laughs> he came in there, to, was doing something, and, and she looked at him. She said, now look, Buster. <laughs> and he just got this shattered look on his face. He says, oh, she's in trouble now. So she went running. So he went running to Cheryl. He says, mom, mom, she, he, she just called me Buster. <laughs> he didn't even know what it meant, but it had to be bad. <laughs> I don't know if the Holy Spirit says Buster, but anyway. But the Holy Spirit tells you you're wrong. You're wrong. And he discovers, and he exposes, and he convicts of sin. That's what he does. And he brings to mind, you've got a disease. You're diseased. You're diseased inside. And that's his work. Because God can't reveal the cure until he reveals the disease. And that's the way it works. So they became aware of their sin. Then they became aware of their nakedness. And before they disobeyed God, they were just, because they talked about God and God was in their vision and God was in them, they reflected God. They were like the, the they were reflecting God's light. And that was when you looked at Adam and Eve, you saw, oh, that's, you know, I understand about God. The glory of God is being reflected off of them. That was their light. But when they sinned, the light went out. And darkness replaced it. And without God, they were, they were naked. And they knew they were naked. And the knowledge of their nakedness, they thought, oh, I've got to cover myself. This is bad. When they were walking with God, they reflected God. But now they were naked and they felt shameful. And they felt guilty and they felt dirty inside. You remember in my case, how in my case as a teenager... My wild life left me, left me feeling very dirty inside. Very, very defiled. I felt so dirty. I felt so ashamed. I felt so wrong inside that I used to take showers for two hours. You know, I was in the dorm in Switzerland. People would ask, you know, what's you doing in there? I don't know. 
But I was just cleaning and cleaning and cleaning. I was a fanatic with the cleaning. I couldn't clean enough. And I got out of the shower and I felt just as dirty as I went in the shower. Why? Because I felt ashamed. I didn't talk about anybody. It was a secret. But like Adam and Eve, I felt naked. Worse than naked. I felt in need of a cover for sure. Cover up. They became aware also of their fear. Their fear. Adam and Eve were conscious of something they'd never known before. Fear. Where'd that come from? They were afraid, he says in verse 10. He said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Why would you be afraid because you're naked? Because you know that you did something wrong and you're exposed. God, who's been their friend, God who formed them, God who was everything to them, they're now afraid of him. And, and if you asked Adam, say, how do you feel, Adam? He, Adam would say, I feel exposed. I feel ashamed. I feel guilty. I'm especially afraid. The more they thought about it, the more fearful they became. The wicked flee, Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. The righteous, bold as a lion. And what was the effect of all this fear? You couldn't get rest. You can't get rest when you're afraid, right? And it says, Isaiah 57.20 says, The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. It can't. Whose waters are cast up mire and dirt. Why can't they rest? Because Proverbs 10.24 says, The fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him. What's the fear of the wicked? Well, there's a singular fear that haunts the back of the minds of the lost. You know what that fear is? That fear is to fall into the hands of the living God. That's what it says in, in Hebrews 10.31. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, that's, that, that, what's that mean? It's a fearful thing, like you're climbing up a mountain and you lose your footing, and that moment just then when you know you lost your footing and you're falling, that's like death. You know, when you're when, when at death and you feel like you lost your footing and you... you you, you don't have a hold of that breath anymore. And just like that, you start to fall. And you're losing your footing. You're slipping. And what are you afraid of? You're afraid you fall right into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Not in a good way. That's what it means when it says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's why there's the, the, the three wonderful words. Just like we talked about, Peter had those wonderful words, God of all grace. Paul had these wonderful words in Romans 5.1. Therefore, in being justified with, by faith, we have peace with God. Isn't that a great term? You thought that was just a Billy Graham title, that he pulled that out of nowhere. No, that's where he got it from. Peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see the ruin of man. We see God's remedy in this chapter. see the fall of man, the rise of man. It's just wonderful. See the death of the old creation. And we see the birth of the new creation, everything. What makes sin, sin? It's God's commandment. It's God's commandment. That's what makes it simple. God told them not to do it. And when they did it, and God told them not to, that's a sin. God can't reveal the cure until he reveals the disease. And that's the way it works. Instead of falling into the hands of the living God, God says in Isaiah 41, 13, to the Jewish people, 
he says, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy hand. He said, I'll hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Isaiah 41, 13. I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy hand. That's a wonderful part about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's saying, I'll hold, I'll hold your hand. See, here's my hand. Here's God's hand. Okay, I'll hold your hand. And you may be holding my hand too, but your hand may go like that. But I'll not stop holding your hand. Even when you don't hold my hand, I'll hold your hand. That's what God's saying. And, and, with, and that's what he meant when he said, and I give them eternal life in John 10, 28, 29. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He's got them there. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. He's got them too. What's it mean? His grip is tighter than our grip. Then the next thing they became aware of is they became aware of their stupidness. Remember we talked about that last week? They heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden, cool of the day, and Adam and his, and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. I mean, here's two people who know that God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-seeing. He created the trees. He even created the fig leaves that they sewed together. And what could be more stupid for these two people to think that the trees are going to hide them from God? I mean, it's it's really something if you think about that. But that's what sin does. makes us stupid. We come, so that's, that's the dark side of this chapter. Now it changes when you get to verse 8 and verse 9. Because just look at those two verses, Genesis 3, 8 and 9, and take out Adam out of there. And just look at God. And, how you, and what do you see? Verse 8. The voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now note carefully those words in verse 8. The Lord God walking in the garden. That's important. Think about what that meant. God knew that Adam and Eve had sinned before he went into the garden. Do you believe that? He, he knew that, right. That was on his radar screen. And he could have, God could have just snuffed them out, just like that. Before, the, he didn't have to, he could have just said, we're done. And you're done. He could have turned him into a pile of ash, just like that. It could have been just like the dust to the dust. He could have done that, but he didn't. And these words, the Lord God walking in the garden, after they sinned, it teaches us something about God. You know what that is? He didn't want to destroy them. He didn't want to destroy them. You kind of look like you don't really believe that. Do you believe that? You think that God didn't want to destroy them. He loved them. And those words, God walking in the garden, after man had sinned, shows the approach of God, the approach of grace. See, God didn't send a cherubim to go talk to Adam. He didn't send a seraphim. He didn't send an angel. But he went himself. It was very personal because God had this personal friendship with them. And, there, and, and so he goes himself into the garden. That was not just God who was there. That God was very specific. You know, I remember told, I may have told you this, but I remember getting on a plane one time and sitting next to this gigantic, he was so big, African-American man. And so I started out the conversation by saying something like, 
Praise the Lord. I don't remember. Something like that, you know. And this man had a voice like James Earl Jones, okay? When I said, praise the Lord, this giant of a man leans over me and in this booming voice says to me, and who might that Lord be? Just like that, you know. And uh, I was petrified, you know. I thought <laughs> I felt like the size of a mouse or something. I, and I looked up and I said, the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, like that. And he says, all right now, you know, just like James Earl Jones would say. You know, that's very important. It was very important what he was asking. Because when you say Lord, you say God or praise the Lord. Or people ask, who are you talking about? Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. As we mentioned at the start of our broadcast, if you'd like to obtain our resource of the month, The Life of Joseph, a book from Tom Cantor about the past, present, and future of the Jewish people through the life of Joseph, if you'd like to obtain this resource for a $20 or more donation, you can call us at 800-247-3051. We'll send you this book by Tom Cantor, The Life of Joseph, for a donation of $20 or more. Again, 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or you can order it online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also support us online at friendshipwithgod.org with a one-time or monthly donation, but we need your support. So again, 800-247-3051 to support this Bible teaching radio program or friendshipwithgod.org. Now, Tom Cantor wants to invite you to a free event at the Creation and Earth History Museum for anyone you know in the Southern California area. It's Saturday, September 27th. It's a wonderful day in Noah's Ark theme. Tom Cantor will be speaking, Ray Comfort, Eric Hoven, and Jason Lyle, and many other speakers at our 2014 Museum Day at the Creation and Earth History Museum on Saturday, September 27th. We'll have rides, games, bouncies, petting zoos, all with a Noah's Ark theme. We hope you can make it or someone you know that lives in the Southern California area. For more information, go to creationsd, for San Diego, creationsd.org, creationsd.org, or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or again, creationsd.org.